0: Hi everyone, my name is Amber, and I'm Kayla, and you just walked in for a Best Buds book club meeting. So we're just gonna jump right in for part two. Just like in part one, we started part two with a visual of some art. So I guess I think at this point, this is when I actually figured out that the art wasn't real. Like for the book, like it was fictional art. Right. Because um, I read the description, and we didn't really talk about it before, but at several points throughout the book, Addie and like other people refer to her freckles. She has exactly seven freckles, and she refers to them as like a constellation of stars. So just like you mentioned before, like on your book, mm-hmm. you have the like gold stars and and like the constellation almost. Obviously, that represents Addie in some way, right? And I think that specifically represents this like art piece, which is seven stars in this constellation when i envision the
1: character i kind of wonder what these freckles kind of look like Hmm. it's kind of hard to imagine seven
0: freckles seven
1: freckles on your face exactly what i was thinking like how are they placed like are they just like it's hard to envision i feel like
0: i'm thinking of them more like beauty marks almost not like kind of yeah, not like a person with like a full face of freckles right thinking like it's just like you know which is cool
1: yeah it's cool
0: So part two picks up from Henry's perspective after the interaction with Addie when she went and she was trying to steal the book and he's like, why are you trying to steal this book? I'm just going to give it to you. Just
1: take the book. like It's probably worth 95 cents. Like, (laughs) Go
0: ahead and have it. This is interesting because this is the first time this has happened in the book. Well, the perspective is entirely from Addie's point of view, even in the past and present. It made me think that the fact that we're given... Henry's perspective is that he's going to be a major character. Mm-hmm. So from his perspective, we learn a few things that he had a girlfriend that he broke up with recently. And now he's with this other girl named B, who's his friend. But to me, it kind of seemed like there might have been something more there in like a weird sort of friends with benefits sort of way. And Kayla, you actually had something to say about that because I saw B as his girlfriend. But you had some different thoughts about it when i was reading i didn't pick up that
1: this is his girlfriend it seems like she's a really close friend um i think this because one there was a girl at the counter flirting with him two he ends up actually they him and his beat go to a show and it kind of seems like he's talking or reminiscing about a past with the main character in this play that they're seeing which is their friend robbie um, so I was kind of picking up the vibe that he might be um, bisexual and B might be lesbian because um, she was flirting with a girl at the show. So that's what, what I got from reading this uh, second half of the book.
0: What I kind of got from it because I I know that there were some like things in there like she was telling Henry like you could have gotten her number. Um, there was like a part where they were – going to this play for henry's friend that henry's friend was in and there were girls there that were openly flirting with him and there were girls that were you know flirting with her as well based on what i was thinking when i was reading it is i kind of saw b as like his girlfriend Mm -hmm. um a few things made me think that one of them is they have a deal she doesn't mention tabitha and henry doesn't mention the professor so it made me kind of think that before they started dating each other that Tabitha and the professor were who each other was seeing and it also seems like they've known each other for quite some time More than just a few months since he has broken up with Tabitha So it makes me think that they were friends before and they only just started dating So basically they know each other's beef so they're like, I don't really want to hear about, you know, your most recent breakup and also given how open Henry is with other girls and even Robbie who it seems like he also used to date it just seems like maybe they have like an open relationship now where they can see other people which i to me that kind of was why she was like oh you should have gotten her number like you know because they're potentially in an open relationship that's what i got from it so they do they go to a friend's show and the show that they're actually going to see is he said it was like loosely based on a midsummer's night dream are you familiar with the show
1: Uh, Shakespeare, right? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen it? No. Long story short, it's a Shakespeare play that involves a girl who's in love with this guy, but her father wants her to marry the duke, but she doesn't want to marry the duke. She wants to marry her guy, so she tells her guy, like, I want to marry you. We should go elope. So they make the plan that they're going to go elope, and she tells her friend, like, hey, we're going to go do this, and her friend's like, oh, well, you're in luck. I'm in love with the duke. So why don't we all just go into the forest and elope? <laughs> so they do. They go into the forest, and then separately, there's like a group of men who are uh, rehearsing for a play that they were to perform at the duke's wedding. Yeah. And then separately again, there is a fairy king who asks his servant to go and get this flower to make this juice to put a spell on his wife, the the fairy queen. Mm-hmm because she has a page boy that she's not willing to give up. Basically, for her disobedience, he wants to put a spell on her that when he puts this juice in her eyes and she wakes up, she will fall in love with the first person that she sees. This uh, servant goes out to get this this flower. He ends up putting the juice in both of the guys, you know, the the four people I was talking about in the beginning. He puts the juice in both of their eyes, and the first person that they see was the girl's friend. So they're both in love with the friend now, so both the guys, so the duke and the girl's like guy that she wanted to marry. I don't know what. The so names I wonder are.
1: if if that may end up like if if the E Schwab kind of put this play in for a reason,
0: right? So that that's why I wanted to like talk about this because the spell is eventually reversed and they go back to loving who they want to love and then they get married and whatever. But I do think that this is significant because there's a lot of strange interactions when he goes to this play, like the fact that there are multiple people like that are openly flirting with him, and it's yeah. just weird. It's like that doesn't happen. People don't go don't go up to people and say, "Hey, handsome," right? And they don't know who you are.
1: Yeah, it was like the the girl at the bookstore. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the girl with the face paint and and then eventually after the play it's the the girl at the party so yeah I you know what I I feel like I didn't even I thought something
0: was weird Mm -hmm. but I thought maybe he's just like a super attractive guy right but also like well he mentions he mentions that he says something a little bit about that at some point where he's like I think he goes to like brunch with his sister she said oh you look good and he's like No, I don't. Like, in his head, he's like, I I don't really. So what I'm thinking is, is I'm thinking that he must be cursed or maybe the the God that he prayed to after dark cursed him. And that's why he can see Addy is because they're both, like, cursed in that sort of way. So maybe that's, like... I'm thinking that what happens is, is when anybody sees him, they're, like, immediately attracted to him. Like, they have that spell, like, Mm. in the Midsummer's Night Dream. Like, they've been put under a spell... To fall in love with him just by looking at him. I wonder what he did to get genied. Yeah, I didn't even think about that at all. So that's a super interesting perspective. So mm-hmm. That's why I thought it seemed more like an open relationship. Because if that is his curse, then obviously she would also be extremely attracted to him. Right. And that's, you know, so even though she may be a lesbian, she thinks that she's attracted to him. And he probably is just, like, really good – like, he wanted to be really good friends with her or whatever. Right. And so he decided, like, you know, they're not going to talk about their open relationship. You know what I mean? so Because yeah. if he's got girls who are all over him all the time and he's wanting to be with those girls, if she's also, like, in love with him and she doesn't want to lose him, then she would open that relationship. But that's, just, that's just my theory at this point. Well, I did like
1: this second uh, part of the book because we do la- learn a lot more about – Henry. Mm-hmm. Um and it almost kind of seems like Henry is also a lost soul. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's got a lot of emotions going on uh, and he kind of goes through ups and downs in terms of those emotions the same way that Addie kind of does.
0: Mhm. And then we are back to addy's perspective. Since Addie doesn't have any place to go and any place to sleep, she takes advantage of these people. Maybe she doesn't realize that she does that, but she's using them for emotional reasons for physical reasons for basic necessity reasons i feel
1: like she must know Mm -hmm. at this point 300 years in but i I think that
0: she probably doesn't see it that way
1: i i feel like she on the other hand just i feel like she does understand what she does and and how she is potentially hurting or using people but I think she probably takes comfort in knowing that those people won't remember what she's doing. And so it's kind of a, a way that it doesn't kind of weigh down her conscience.
0: Takes comfort or takes advantage? I mean, the mm. girl's got to live, right? She can't live in the streets. I agree. I agree. I mean, honestly, like, what would you do if you right. were in that situation? You needed somewhere to sleep. If you had the opportunity to con somebody into just letting you stay at their apartment, why right. wouldn't you? So that's where we kind of meet Sam. She sees Sam. And Sam is obviously somebody that she has had a relationship with in the past. And then we're back in 1714. And we see that Addie's struggling to find basic things like a place to sleep, which is kind of of parallel to what's happening in present day when she goes to the apartment and sees Sam. Right. And she eventually finds a place that's like, all right, but I want a whole week's pay up front. And so Addie's like, can I get a receipt? <laughs> because I know you're not gonna remember me. Right. The woman's like, "No, I I run an honest business. I'm I, I don't need to give out a receipt." And Addie's like, "But." Mm. So she she goes up to the room. She gets maybe a couple hours of sleep in, and then she's got the lady at the door and knocking knocking down the door like she's the SWAT team, telling her she needs to get out. And Addie's like, "But she, you sold me this room. I I've got a whole week." And she's like, "I would remember." And she. This is something that Addie would think about in the future, about getting receipts from people so that they don't forget and that she has, like, proof of certain things. And I actually noticed that a couple times throughout the book. The writing does... In the past, the writing does allude to future events. So it almost seems like all these past events are Addy herself going back and thinking about these events. Right. And that would make sense how, like, why certain things would connect immediately to something in the future because maybe she's, like, thinking about it. Yeah, because
1: there's certain parts where she'll say, um, like, so on page 104, um, she talks about how in 200 years, this is what Paris is going to end up, or excuse me, 150 years, this is what Paris is going to end up being like. But for now, this is where she's at. So, yeah, it does seem like Mm -hmm. she's more so remembering. Mm -hmm. It's not, like, present time when we're back in the past
0: right um and then as she's getting thrown out the bird the wooden bird that she's been carrying around from her father's workshop breaks and the wing falls off so Paris sounds really nice so far sounds like she made a really good choice yeah Paris. sounds like a, the best place <laughs> that she
1: could have gone it it gives me Les Mis vibes like the very mm-hmm. beginning of Les Mis where everyone's hungry and starving and they're throwing buckets of crap in the street and so it's a great place. She picked right. a good one. She picked
0: a really good one. <laughs> well, and I think that's kind of part of. Well, and that's not why she picked it, but her dad was telling her all these fantastic stories about Paris, and she's like, "Well, Villon's not so great, and the man's not so great. I'm gonna go to Paris. I know right. Paris is gonna be great." And then she shows up, and it's like, "Paris is trash. It's, it's not.
1: I'm sure Paris." overall even now just thinking about paris like i'd love to go to paris it sounds beautiful but i'm sure there are parts that are not beautiful and like anywhere this in the is world. right like anywhere in the world and this is what Allie. uh Allie. who's Allie? and this is what addie has come to realize is that the world is not so beautiful and not so perfect and she's going to have to kind of find a way that will work for her
0: right and desperation literally sets in because she sells her virginity for 10 souls because the guy literally says to her when she says i i will give you my virginity for 10 souls yeah
1: and he's like what well first
0: first she says i'll do the deed with you for 10 souls and he's like what are you a princess or something and she said no i'm a virgin and he's like he must have been like oh (laughs) well in that case here's 10 souls yeah because she did it and it's really sad because obviously Like I said before, she can't go out and get a job because no one's going to remember hiring her. And what else can she do to make money? She can't get a a guy. She can't can't be a wife to somebody because they're not going to remember her. Right. So what else can you do? You can do these little odd jobs here and there, which in 1714, what could a girl do as an odd job? Right. So that actually brings us to the part where she's like so cold and so tired that she passes out. And she actually gets mistaken for a corpse and is picked up in this cart. And somewhere in between, she loses that wooden bird. And then in the winter of 1715, uh, somebody finds this bird in the street. And that's what they base that bird sculpture off of from the first page of the entire book. So this is another example of Addie making her mark in the world inadvertently. Obviously, she can't do it herself, but a part of her has been left behind, and somebody has found a muse from it and has made a whole sculpture, and it's worth so much money.
1: Isn't there a part of the book where Addie actually goes to the museum and sees it on display? She does. And I don't know if it says it's the original or not, but that's pretty cool because that's like, although she can't own it anymore because she lost Mm -hmm. it, it's there and she can be close to it and have that connection with her her father beyond that ring that she hates so much.
0: The sculpture itself was designed after the bird. I don't think they actually used the broken bird in it. I think he just used it as like...
1: Inspiration. Inspiration
0: for it, right. Now in July of 1715 we see that she's now drugging these men who i can only assume that she has offered to have sex with and she drugs them to make them pass out probably before she has to do anything with them and she uses that time that they're passed out to sleep steal their money Eat, steal their if f- she food can, yeah. right so basically
1: Using that time to her advantage.
0: Right, so she's using men back in the day, just kind of like she's using men in present day. right? Men and women in present day for their things.
1: Although she's in a bigger city, there's still societal norms. Women are property, Mm -hmm. and men are the gods of the world. They do whatever they want. They say whatever they want. So, I mean, Addie is really nothing more to them than just a piece of flesh that they can use.
0: And then he showed up. The god that gave her her gift because i think that's how he views it i think he views it as like i did a good thing for you i did exactly what you asked right and she's she's livid when she when he shows up she's like why did you do this she has like a million questions he's like why would you do this to me you didn't do what i asked you to do and he's like no Addy, i did exactly what you asked me to do she's like you've literally made my life a living hell and he's like well Why would I have made it any easier? Because you offered to give me your soul. Right. So, of course, I'm not going to make it easy for you because I want your soul.
1: Right. So, I'm going to do whatever it is I can Mm -hmm. to make your life super miserable. That way, you want to give it up. I don't have to, obviously, take it from you. So, that's, I mean, that's literally, like, him being a trickster.
0: Right. And then he said to her, you know, we can end it. Would you like me to end it? I'll end it for you. And Addie's, like, thinking, what would that be like to just end it? Because she's suffering. She's suffering in the cold, harsh winter. She's hungry. She has no place to stay. And she's freezing and all that. And so she's thinking, like, well, what if I did just give up? Wouldn't it just be easy? And then she started thinking, like, no. I literally gave up a a life, even though it wasn't the life that I wanted. I'm going to give up my life just like that after a year. So she's stubborn. She's like, no. No. I'm not going to give in. So she... She tells him, "Like, no, I'm not going to give in." He's like, "Well, we'll see."
1: Yeah, I think I think in this part there is, um, or in this section of the book, there is a just a moment where she says that she would be lying if she didn't briefly consider it, mm-hmm. because she is, like you said, she's suffering, she's tired, she's hungry. Um, but then she says that that how is it? How is this a fair deal? How can she trade her soul for this whole year? of misery and sadness and losing her family and her friends and her home. So it's like, I, if it was me, even if I was suffering, you know, I I don't think that I would want to give my soul up.
0: Right, I wouldn't give up. Like, nah. No. It's I'd, not a fair deal. I'd got I'd to gotta get to the point where it's starting to get good. Right. To even, like, if it's been, like, 10 years, I'd be like, <laughs> take me away. So now back in 2014, Addie's on the roof of this building in Brooklyn and – Sam wakes her up, which I actually thought this was kind of weird because Sam left the night before with her friends. Right. And Addie stayed on the roof and fell asleep. And Sam woke her up in the morning. And then she's like, good morning, Sleeping Beauty. Come with me. And then brings her to her apartment. Like, how trusting is Sam? Like, she just meets some strange person on the roof. Right. And, and says, is like, hey, come, in. come
1: on down right. to my apartment. Let's uh,
0: have some coffee. Let's, let's have a chat. And... She shows her this art and Sam has that picture that we see in the f- in the beginning of part two of the constellation with the seven stars. and Sam explains that she likes to do she does this whole art piece where she paints people that she knows like friends and family, but she does abstract art. so it's not like portraits they' right. she's doing this art based on the person. so Addie's you know main physical feature, I guess is her seven freckles. so she made this piece of art with the seven freckles, and it's actually worth like $11,000, so Addie's worth a good chunk of change.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then I think there's a part here, too, where Sam says, like, I do this for my friends and my family, but I have no idea who I painted this right. for. So it's another example of how Addie is leaving her mark or her impression on the world without kind of a, a kind of a, what is it called, uh, a loophole right in it's the a demon's loophole.
0: curse exactly right cuz she can't she can't break things without them co- like healing themselves she can't draw anything she can't write her name i thought in the beginning it was just her name that she couldn't write but she can't draw anything she can't write anything right. because if somebody sees it the next day they'd be like oh what is this but because sam saw addie and came up with her own idea of what addie looked like and made this like abstract piece about addie's appearance Mm -hmm. it wasn't actually addie's face or anything but it's her likeness so then back in france in 1716 it's been two whole years now and then uh she runs into the god again so he shows up again and this time she's not she's not angry she's not showing her anger because i think she's realized that he is taking advantage of her emotions because he knows what will get under her skin and she's kind of thinking like I'm not going to let him get under my skin so I'm going to pretend like it's okay.
1: Well I think in this part like you're saying she is trying to be more strong um, from her interaction with him the very first time like when she sees him on their one year anniversary. She was sad and she was like just angry and so she really lashed out and I think that He fed off of that. He enjoyed seeing her suffer. And this time she does want to be more firm. She doesn't want him to think that she's ready to give up her life even though she is suffering. She asks him why he takes this form. And he says, I rather like this form and I think you like it too. And she tells him that she did like it, but she doesn't like it anymore because he's ruined it for her. Mm -hmm. And then she realizes like what she said and she's like, damn, I I just just, messed up. I I just just gave gave him him, fuel. Yeah. I just gave him fuel. I fed the troll. Right. Exactly. I fed the troll and now he's literally going to use this to Mm -hmm. continue to basically torture me. So beyond my curse, I'm also being tortured because I fantasized about this perfect person and, and this unperfect person is taking that form it was just crazy
0: right and then he asks her again like you ready you Uh, ready to go you ready to go (laughs) because i can i can take your soul right now and i can leave you leave you out of the suffering and she's like again no this time she's like she didn't even think about it she's
1: no well actually she tells him like basically how better her life has gotten right by talking about how Mm -hmm. she saw the elephants and she saw um, a fiddler in the square and how her music or how his music made her cry. And she's tasted champagne. And so she's basically like, hey, no, I'm not ready to go. Like, look at these things that I'm starting to experience because I'm, I'm figuring this out. Right. And I've I'm sure it. I'm sure he did not like that.
0: Right. And he's and he told her he's like, OK, well, it's just going to get harder for you. Yep. It, you're, it's going to get harder and you're going to you're going to give up. I know it. So he's taunting her. And Addie's like, Bring it. Let's do it. Bring it, honey buns. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm ready to fight. Back in 2014, Addie goes back to that bookstore that she first met Henry at. She overhears a woman purchasing a book for her son or something like that. And Henry tells her, You know, enjoy the book. If it's not the one that he wanted, you know, we, we'll do an exchange. So Addie hears that and she's like, oh, well, I can get a free book out of this. Well, I'm going to do that. So she tries to return the Odyssey or exchange the Odyssey. And Henry's like, are you serious? And she's like, yeah, you just told that woman she could do it. I would like to return this book that I purchased. And he's like, you mean the book that you literally stole from me yesterday that you were trying to steal? And Addie is more shocked than she is embarrassed that she got caught. I mean, I I think that she eventually starts to feel a little embarrassed, but I think more so she's like, you remember me? He's like, yeah, I remember you. And then she starts to repeat that in her head. I remember, I remember, I remember, I remember, I remember, like over and over again. And I thought that was really powerful, was like her finally coming out of the stupor that she's been in for 300 years. It's like This like dream that she's been in and her whole life flashed before her eyes and she just finally woke up and she's like excuse me you remember
1: right like how how i think that yeah this was a very pivotal part in this second part of the book because it's like wait hold on mm-hmm. someone finally remembers her like who is this guy we knew because this section started with henry's perspective of the book we obviously knew that this person was going to be a key player mm-hmm. but my first impression was like, why? What about him is so special that he just remembers her? Right. It's, it's crazy. And it must feel so, like, I, I just can't even imagine what Addie must have felt because, like you said, she's just kind of been walking through life in almost, like, a daze. Mm-hmm. Um, just going day from day, just living her life, and now all of a sudden it's just, like, it's like she's
0: woken up for the first time in 300 years. Right. And so she feels... she. Again, I don't know if she really feels embarrassed. I feel like at this point she doesn't feel like any emotion to stealing something. I think she's more so shocked about this revelation that has just happened—that he can remember her, that right. he didn't forget her. So she asks him out for coffee, and she says that she's asking him out to apologize. But I, I immediately knew. I was like, Eddie you got to pick his brain. Yeah, you got to figure out what the on. heck's going this on. This is crazy. Addie asked him out for coffee to apologize. And I thought that was actually kind of funny that she asked him out for coffee because he had just gone out for coffee that morning to uh, meet up with his sister. Right. I'm not really sure what the significance of the sister and the brother is at this point. I think it's more so just to kind of introduce them, you know, show that he's not a very, like, emotionally attached person. Like, he doesn't... He's not connected with them, it seems like. Right. And he, he resents his brother who's this perfect person that i feel like everyone's always comparing him to so i feel like like i mentioned before i feel like he has some sort of curse where like people who look at him fall in love with him because i feel like maybe when he was younger and nobody cared for him nobody nobody paid attention to him so he probably you know asked the gods to have somebody pay attention to him and so i think maybe that's where the connection between him and addy are
1: maybe his curse is like everyone he meets is attracted to him and sees like a version of him that's not really him mm-hmm. but because he's potentially cursed i don't know at the point that we've read up to um and Addie's cursed that maybe sh- he she sees him like as he is
0: maybe i definitely definitely think that that he's also cursed yeah. and they have and their curses are connected in some way definitely so at one point during their coffee interaction he notices her freckles and he says your freckles look like stars. And Addie said, yeah, it's the first thing that everyone sees. So, right. And then he said to her, what do you see when you look at me? This is obviously a question because I think he's noticing that Addy's not like fangirling over him right. or like openly flirting with him. She's, you know, not really paying too much attention to him necessarily. When he asked her that, you know she just started to describe him Mm -hmm. when he went and got coffee with his sister earlier she said oh you look great like you look really good and he said no not like he was thinking like no i i don't like right like he's thinking like it's just her thinking that i look good the way that she responded seemed to pique his interest because he said you know what let's go out let's go out for drinks so they end up going out um, and then back in 1719, so we're just going back and forth. So Addie is in like this really nice house, and uh, she's figured out that the people who live there are out. So she's taking advantage of that, and uh, the the darkness. The God shows up again. So it seems like he shows up every year, and Addie knows that on the anniversary of her her curse, he shows up, and he manipulates the wait staff so they're basically under his control and he makes them make this whole dinner and everything and add even says that the dinner came out so quickly that she knew that he had already planned to do this before he showed up he had already had this all in the works before he actually even revealed himself to her he's never
1: really like done anything like and now he's like hey let's have dinner
0: right and not, not just any dinner, it's like a lavish dinner because right. they're in this like wealthy couple's home who have gone out for the evening and won't be home till the next day. This part almost made
1: me feel like, does he, like, is he just clearly manipulating her? But also, like, is he trying to, like, make her like him or something? Like, um, is there something else going on? I
0: think he's just enjoying the game. Yeah. He's realized at this point that Addie's stubborn and he's playing the game along with her. So I think he enjoys messing with her. This is not the first time that he's made a deal with someone Mm -hmm. about,
1: like, you know, exchanging their souls for something. And I'm sure that there have been others that have probably not been as strong as her. Right. So I think he's, like, almost like, whoa, like, who are you that you have this sheer will to keep going? So apart from definitely manipulating her, I think he's also interested in her.
0: Intrigued. And then he asks her, like, you know, this face that you made that that you love so much. Did you ever give him a name? And she tells him that she had given him a name, Luke. L-U-C. She said that she had tried a bunch of different names for the the face in, in the past when she had made up the face. And she had decided on Luke. And then she said that, but it's... He's more suited as a Lucifer. So now she's starting to refer to this darkness character as Luke. And you know what's funny is that she,
1: um, like you said, she tried a dozen names over the years for this. This She calls him a stranger, this person that she made up and used mm-hmm. to draw. Uh, and one of those names was Henry, but Henry with an I. Mm-hmm. Whereas we have in the book Henry with a Y. So I thought that that was a little fun connection. She sees this person as the devil because he is evil. He has no regard to any of her feelings and just does whatever he wants.
0: Getting under her skin, trying to get her to react. He's the troll and she's giving in. She's feeding him. There's a part where Luke
1: says to her, like, "What? what's going to happen when this family that you're crashing at their house comes home and sees that their clothes have been touched or, or their things are missing? Like, don't you see how your actions potentially make people suffer so it's like hey i may have cursed you but you're also not perfect either
0: right and i think that's part of his manipulation him trying to get under his skin like hey listen you think that you're hacking this whole curse thing but you realize that you're hurting people so maybe you want to just give it up
1: right maybe Maybe you you should just just, uh give give your soul soul. (laughs) right
0: so that's that's luke for you Back in 2014, Henry and Addie go out to a bar um, and they're getting to know each other and Addie tries it out. She tries to give her name and at first it feels like she's not going to be able to. Like her throat chokes up like it normally does, but then she's able to say it. Addie, like she's able to literally tell him what her name is. So I think at this point she's like, mm, this is the real deal. Yeah. This is real. There's
1: something going on and this person is literally like the, the – immune. The, right he's immune to this curse and this is actually the first time that she's been able to identify herself as Addie, basically
0: 300 years
1: yeah 300 years um and it was uh in this first two sections um i think there is a part where she talks about how in her past life she's adeline but in this new life she wanted to be And what's sad about this part here too is that after She's said goodnight to Henry. She's given him her real name and he's able to say it. She actually goes and tries to whisper it to herself, thinking that maybe Henry has somehow broken the spell and and her curse and boom, she's not able to say it again. Right. It's gone. So,
0: see ya, Addie. Yeah. Bye, <laughs> Addie. Goodnight. <laughs> so, back in 1720, we know that Addie doesn't really have anywhere to live. So she's found a little shack and she's kind of made this a little home for herself. And she's been collecting things and she's got candles and she's making up like a little table because she's preparing for Luke to come and visit her like he does every single year.
1: Yes, because it is, uh because it is their anniversary. Right.
0: So she's, you know, expecting him and she's got it all set up and she's all dressed up nice. But I don't think she's doing it because she's Like excited to meet him, right? I think, and she mentions it. This is her only like somewhat human interaction that she can ever have, and she looks forward to it for that, but not necessarily because Because she likes right, right, because it's
1: Luke and she likes him. Yeah, I think she's Mm -hmm. she's just she goes through this whole year and every year since her curse started with not making any connections and people not remembering who she is or or knowing her name, so. I think she looks forward to meeting with Luke because he says her name and he knows who she is. And, and right. that brings her just the tiniest bit of comfort, which feels really sad because it's coming from such a toxic mm-hmm. person okay. slash entity, it's like an extremely toxic relationship, but she can't help it, you know, right. and I would feel like if I was in her situation, I would probably feel and do the same thing. It's almost like. It kind of reminds me of, like, Stockholm Syndrome. Like, he's her captor, and and she's just gotten used to him, and so she's like, oh, yeah, let me let me go out of my way to show Luke how well I'm doing and and prepare this whole dinner for him. Right.
0: She so, wants to, to prove, like, you know, because year after year, he's like, Addie, when are you going to give it up? Right. Addie, it's not going to get easier. Addie, when are you going to give me your soul? And I think she's trying to show him, like, Hey, listen. I'm really happy. I'm like living my life. I'm doing my best, and then she realizes like he's not showing up. Yeah. He played me. He he knows what he's doing. Yep. He literally got me in this place where She's I was de- expecting. Depended, right. Right. I was I was depending on this interaction, and he knew it, and he's messing with me. And, and take it away. And he's her. trying to take the one thing that she kind of looks forward to each year whether it's to tell him how good she's doing to you know convince herself and convince him or maybe she really does just enjoy the interactions because like you said maybe it's like Stockholm syndrome
1: right he has just found another way to manipulate her because here she is sitting here it's morning time now basically anniversary's done she's sad she's crying she's she's lashed out broken everything um, and it's kind of a, like a rock bottom with that mm-hmm. situation with him.
0: And then back in 2014 and Henry is walking home and we're seeing from his perspective that he is actively recalling his interaction with Addie. So this is the second night that he's left Addie's presence, that they are no longer in each other's presence and he should be forgetting her. But he's not. He's remembering the name Addie in his own memory. Right. And that's how we end this part.
1: Addie, who looked at him and saw a boy with dark hair, kind eyes, and an open face. Nothing more and nothing else. Right. So what is what kind of like we've been saying, it, it is very likely that he does have a curse. And Addie is not. It's not impacting her. Just like her curse is not impacting him. So I kind of wonder, like, what is it that everyone else sees when they look at him maybe they're kind of seeing what they want to see Mm -hmm. right Oh man, i can't wait to get into the next part
0: right but i i i don't know i don't think it's they see what they want to see because it's like they're unnaturally attracted to him just like instantly
1: right maybe it makes like a an image that they're attracted to and kind of puts it on his face
0: sure but then also think about it like the girl at the the play that he went to just walked up to him out of nowhere and said hey handsome right but but would you do that would you if you just saw somebody that you found really attractive and like there's got to be some kind of pull right that's what i'm saying i don't think it's just that it's somebody that they find extremely attractive or something somebody that they really like or it's you know some somebody that they want to see because obviously they don't know him and they don't make any like they don't make any indication that they do know him. All they do is start flirting with him, ab- like, abnormally. Right. And so there's, like you said, there's some sort of pull. I don't think it's just him being attractive. I think it might be them being under some sort of spell, like in Midsummer's Night Dream. Right. Where the fairies put them under a spell and they're, like, in love with these other people. I think that's probably his curse. And, and that I like that the author did that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, And that is where we end part one and two. Really good so far. and I'm super excited to get into the
0: next parts. So now that we have finished parts one and two, if you haven't started reading further already, hopefully you're reading on track. We highly recommend that you do
1: because Mm -hmm. the book is really good and we want you guys to follow along and be a part of our discussion.
0: All right. So now for next week, for our next podcast, that will be on 421-421 you should read up to page 295. So this will be the entirety of parts 3 and 4. And then we're going to save parts 5 and 6 for our third podcast episode for this book. If you'd like to
1: follow us on social media, you can follow us at bestbudsbookclub.com. On our website, we have our different social medias linked as well as our discussion boards this is where we put our blog post and where you can also make recommendations to us about the next book that you want us to read if you'd like to follow us on instagram it's going to be best buds book club podcast and if you'd like to follow us on facebook you can find us at best buds book club
0: and that's that so until then peace love and books bye bye